Yeah. Shout out to the people. Welcome to Plug and Play. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh. That's Brian Broaddus from 105.3 The Fan. Former NFL scout, um, current radio badass, and still godfather of the uh, DFW scouting community, if not more than the DFW scouting community. Good evening, Brian. How are you, buddy? Doing well, Jeffrey. Thanks. I'm sorry I missed you last week. Uh, had to do Bennett was spring breaking my son, so I had to kind of take care of him. And I know you and Dane had a great show, and uh, so I'm looking forward to chopping it up with you, man. We're getting close. We're getting close. You know, we're starting to have these these pro days are going to wind down. We're going to start to hear about 30 visits and things like that. So uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's on the doorstep, as they would say. So that the pro days will give us uh, a couple of easy talking points for this evening's plug and play. But first, whether we like it or not, you know, we'll talk about every team, every draft, any prospect people want to know about. But honestly, the majority of the people watching and listening are probably Cowboy fans. Yeah. So let's jump this thing off with the names that we know that they are at least somewhat interested in because mm-hmm. between you and Bobby Belt, we're starting to get names of yeah. – before every draft, you get to have 30 guys that come visit your facility and you interview them out there. They meet the coaches. You spend a day with them. Uh, and we're starting to get some names. So hook us up. Yeah, you know, and the 30 visits, and if you're a Cowboy fan, this is a really – this is the opportunity that Jerry and Steven – get to really visit with these players because you don't have a traditional general manager here. I know this is no news to everybody there that's watching, but you don't have a general manager that when you go to the combine, he's usually meeting with agents or other owners or, you know, he's usually doing some other business and, you know, Will McClay and the scouts handle the, 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 the interviews and stuff over at the holiday Inn. So these 30 visits are a way for Steven and Jerry to put, face with name and be able to, when they're watching the tape, oh, this is this kid. And they have an opportunity to kind of interact. So these 30 visits, if you, if we've always, we've always chased this. If you have an idea who the 30 visits are for the Cowboys, you can kind of get an idea who they might draft. So some of the names uh, from the Ohio state pro day today, Chris Olave, the wide receiver said he has a visit scheduled with the Cowboys yesterday at Texas A&M pro day uh, green, the guard, uh, said that he has a visit with uh, the Cowboys on a 30 visit. Lyle, the the uh, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M, also uh, with a 30 visit. And then Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, with a 30 visit. So Dallas will continue to have the 30 visits. They'll take advantage of Dallas Day, too, is another thing that you might hear Jeff, Dane, and I talking about, where they actually can bring guys in to work out. And so there might be some guys that have local ties from around the country. You have a rule where you can, if you're from this area, you can have guys in for a workout. And the Cowboys do a tremendous job, Chris Hall and those guys with Dallas Day, of getting guys, maybe getting a next extra six to eight to ten extra visits of high-ranked players to supplement. So instead of 30 visits, maybe the Cowboys have 40 visits. So it's a – it's a really good uh, a way of taking advantage of some things. But, again, it's a way for Jerry and Steven to kind of put a face with a name with the tape they're watching and the tags they're putting on the board. Well, with the Cowboys, I feel like their Dallas day, their local day, is yeah. kind of a cheat code just because of how Ooh, many programs great. around DFW are so good. And if you went to yeah. high school here, you, you right. qualify. And right. if you went to a local college, which you get some of that too, you qualify. Yeah. So – it, it, it's kind of like a cheat code for them. So that's two wide receivers, an offensive lineman, and a defensive lineman, which shouldn't be all that surprising, I wouldn't think. The only one on that list that I'm not surprised they would want to visit with him because he's an intriguing prospect, but DeMarvin Leal at Texas yeah. A&M. If you added him, I would just be interested, like, how does that fit? Is that going to bump Tristan Hill off the roster, which I guess yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, but he just he's just an interesting dude yeah. for a guy that I thought was going to be more athletic and explosive and I thought was going to have better tape. I, I, I struggle with DeMarvin Leal, but those those other guys, Olave, Burks, Kenyon Green, you're looking at three targets at 24, no doubt about it. Yeah, Jeff, you're absolutely right. I think the thing about it is the Lyell thing. I think they're using a 30 visit here to determine really what this kid makes him tick. You know, I I, I think there's. 
because there's you, you we've all watched this tape of Lyle play and he's been a guy that there's some really good plays and there's some plays where he clearly disappears. You bring him in, see how he interacts with the other players, see how he interacts with the coaches. He might be a guy that just totally turns everybody off, but you bring him into a room, you sit down with him and you watch some of his good plays. And then you sit down and watch some of his bad plays and you ask him, well, okay, why are you not hustling here? Or why are you letting this guy from Missouri block you? Or why are you letting this guy, you know, who's, who's clearly not as good as you handle you today? You know, and I think that's the thing that they want to know about this kid. I think, I think with him, it's a little bit more of a deeper dive because there are a lot of questions about him as a player. And like I say, some really good tape and some not so good tape. All right, shout out to our friends in the Super Chats. We got Mazith in here who just says, brought us, brought us, brought us, brought us. The Traveling Man podcast, love y'all foos. <laughs> and Joseph, do you think all these teams needing wide receivers at the end of the first means the Cowboys will need to take their guy at number 24? It depends on what your definition of your guy is. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the top group of five or six guys, absolutely. But I think yeah. for me, and I think probably for you, Brian, I can stretch this thing out to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten names if you're talking yeah. about using one of your first two picks, and yeah. 14 names if you're talking about using one of your first three picks. Yeah. But if you're thinking about Chris Olave and Traylon Burks, yeah, you're picking them at 24 if you even have the opportunity to pick them at 24. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say this, though, and, and I have Burks and a lot of his tags just touching there in the first. So, to me, you know, I really am a fan of both of those players. And, and you know, there's some, you know, we kind of felt like the first wide receiver, if we really break this thing down, the first wide receiver might have been taken with the Jets at 10, and then kind of things work from there. And, you know, I'm not so sure that Chris Olave is going to be there for the Cowboys at 24. You know, I think that there's a chance with with Burks. We'll see what happens with Jamison Williams. You know, uh, I mean, Jeff, I know you and I are Drake doing the London? Draft. I think the USC Drake London, that's gone. what I'm saying. See, there's people that talk about that maybe Drake London might be the first wide receiver taken. And I, you know, I mean, that's kind of where this thing is with these wide receivers. I don't think there's a there's an order that Jeff would give you his five. I would give you my five. Dane Brugler would give him his five. You know, we would have those things kind of a, maybe in a lot different order here. But there's some teams, as you mentioned, or the as the the, the our our fans, uh, listeners, they mentioned that maybe you'll have to uh, maybe you'll have to take your guy. And I don't know. I, I I know from Green Bay from the history of the Green Bay Packers, they have not drafted a first round receiver since 2002. They about uh, to. Yeah, so you know they're they're really big on that, and that's something that the Packers have always believed. But they've got two picks at the back end of the first round, so maybe they will. Maybe they will take that guy, uh, that first round guy, like we were talking about uh, in the back end. Kansas City's a team. I'll say this, and Jeff, you've been cheerleading this player the whole time, and you talk about a guy like Sky Moore. Does Sky Moore replace what Kansas City just lost? I, I, I know what Hill is. I get it. But Sky Moore, kind of a similar player to that. Kansas City with two picks on the back end of that. Do they go ahead and say, you know what? We're not going to get Sky Moore coming back around. You know, we're going to have to maybe take a Sky Moore right now if they're looking to replace the guy that they just lost in Kansas City. Yeah, and it's not like you anybody's going to replace the most dangerous receiver in no, football. But no. I do think I do think when we're looking at the wide receivers that Green Bay and Kansas City are prime teams. That at the end of yeah. the first round, yeah, uh, if you're a fantasy football player, if yeah. one of those teams picks a receiver, that dude is about to get the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's Sky Moore or Jamison Williams makes it down yeah. there, or yeah. whoever it might be. If Aaron Rodgers gets Chris Olave, you're going to want to buy some Chris Olave stock. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Bobby absolutely. says uh, in the super chat, Bobby McKay, thank you. He says, I feel the pick at 24 will be O-line or wide receiver. It'll come down to which player they feel the best about based on who's available. Do both of you feel the same way? 
those are my betting favorites, but I would throw in the caveat that like they didn't pick Micah Parsons because they needed a linebacker and they didn't pick yeah. CeeDee Lamb because they needed a wide receiver. If right. something wonky happens, they could go anywhere. If Derek Stingley is available, they can take a corner. If Trevor Penning or Charles Cross is available, they can take yeah. a tackle. Uh, so I think they could go anywhere. But if I if I were a, a betting man, which sometimes I am, use the promo code Jeff C at Underdog Fantasy for a sign up bonus. Oh, there you go. Um, if I were a betting man, I would put my money down on they would love their first pick to be a left guard. They would yeah. really like that Kenyon Green, who's pro day they were just at but i think o-line and wide receiver are the two front runners right yeah I, I i totally agree you know and to me that you know it's i'll be interested to see how the 30 visits go and i think i could say when we get the names and you know what names are those wide receivers what name of the offensive linemen how many is green the only guard they have on there is zion johnson a, a 30 visit guy too you know I think that will tell us a lot. You know, Joe Philbin, it's easy for him to get down in a three-hour drive to Texas A&M, but is Joe Philbin going to be at, uh, in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts there for watch Boston College's workouts and stuff Better like be. that? You know, or do they see, you know, that's what I, I'm going to be very, very interested because I do feel like the Cowboys could go anyway. And and I, I think you say something that was really interesting, Jeff. When you talk about a guy like Derek Stingley and stuff like that, is there going to be somebody that slides – down that board that we didn't think was going to slide, you know, and Stingley is a prime guy. I don't personally know how you could pass a guy like that. If he got to 24, I really don't. And I'm not saying because he's an LSU guy, but here's guy, here's guy, one of the best two corners in the draft. Maybe, maybe one of the top, when you look at maybe one of the top 10 players in the draft, you know, overall, and, you know, that that would that would get my attention if I was a Cowboys like, OK, I know what's the deal with this player. I've studied this player. I know is I know the history. I got to make this pick. And, you know, you go away and say, yeah, we're going to take the best player. Then it, when you come back around, is it the offensive lineman? Is it the guard? Uh, you know, is it uh, you know, is it one of those wide receivers that we talked about the way this thing stretches? I think there's some really some fascinating options there for the Cowboys at 24. If, if one of those players comes sliding through the middle of that board. All right. Thank you to Dylan Schmidt, who sent in two different super chats. First one is Bo. Second one is Melton, who I still haven't seen. And so I'm going to write his name down. Brian, are you familiar with Bo Melton? Yeah, I've got to get to him as well, as well. And I apologize for that not being prepared on that one. But yeah, we're trying to bang through as many of these guys as I can. And and maybe next week we can have a full uh, Bo Milton report. I am over 100 now. Uh, Manuel also wants to know about a guy I haven't seen, Pierre Strong Jr. Thanks. I'm sorry. I hate myself for disappointing you, but I'll put him on the list now because you've super chatted and I'll have him done by next week. I promise. Um, Heard any interest in J.C. Treader? Free agency question. Sorry from Mike Hoff. I have not. Yeah, see, the thing about with with Treader, and this is where you got to be a little bit, maybe a little bit of a detective. Treader is is the president of the uh, NFL Players Association. And sometimes you might not want that guy in your locker room. And I mean that as a guy in the locker room that might stir things up. You know, and well, I don't know if it's a snitch, but like, okay, well, you know, coaches say we do this front office say we do this. Treader says, no, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. And so maybe a a guy that you don't want that, maybe that strong of a voice in your locker room, maybe influencing your players and, there's, I've talked to teams that thought that maybe Treader is an excellent player, but they've also talked about him as Treader does a really good job as the president of the Players Association. And is is that going to is that his number one job or is his number one job to play center for you? There's some people that have questions about both. So your coaches and front office guys are like, hey, let's not bring him in. He knows his rights too well. He's yeah, gonna, they, well, he's that's gonna- what I'm saying. Then all of a sudden the locker room then becomes. <laughs> Well, why are we practicing or why are we doing why, why, why? And then 
you know, things that normally just kind of go and the schedule goes, well, you've got the president of the Players Association saying, guys, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. You know, kind King of, Shadow you know. said, if someone like Jamison Williams falls to you at 24 to hell with O-line or linebacker, he was wide receiver <laughs> one before the ACL. All these guys were wide receiver one before they got hurt. Drake London was wide receiver number one before he broke his foot or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Jamison Williams might have been wide receiver one before he got hurt. Yeah. John Mechie might have been a first-round pick before he blew his knee out. Like the, right. There's so many options. Uh, I don't think Jamison Williams would have been my wide receiver one regardless, but his status of I'll take him at 24 doesn't mm-hmm. change. AC, listen, ACLs are stub toes. This is 2022. I don't mm-hmm. give half a crap about a torn ACL. You let him and Gallup go rehab together, and everybody will sure. have a great time. Mm-hmm. The wordologist, do you think the Cowboys are done in free agency? What do you think about adding DT Hicks or DN Flowers, or are we done at edge? I. So our buddy Dave Hellman is of the opinion that now that Zadarius Smith is off the board, just remember that Micah Parsons is going to play a good amount of edge and don't worry about it. Yeah. Are you comfortable with that if what you say is, all right, it's Tank Lawrence and I would say Dorrance Armstrong are your starters sure. – but when you're rushing the passer, it's Tank Lawrence and Micah Parsons and yeah. Dante Fowler's hanging around and Chauncey Golston's hanging around and let's forget one. Basham's hanging around. Yeah. You got guys. Can you count Parsons so much that you're like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think personally I would have felt, I, I would have felt a lot worse if Dorrance Armstrong hadn't shown up and played as well as he did last year. You know, I, I really, you know, the Cowboys took a gut punch. They thought they had Randy Gregory done. They just thought they had him done and it, it didn't work out. But Armstrong played well enough to where I'm thinking like, okay, Armstrong. And then, you know, you look at uh, Golston and guys like that, you know, you know, I just also remember last year when we weren't thinking very much of curse, you know, I, I wasn't thinking anything all of curse, to be honest with you. I'm thinking, Here's another safety they sign. He's probably a special teams guy. That's all he's going to do. But then, you know, George Edwards brings him in. Dan Quinn brings in the guys he brings in. And now they bring in a guy like Fowler. And I'm thinking, could Fowler get you six or seven sacks just like Randy Gregory did? You know, and maybe under Dan Quinn, maybe it's a maybe it's about playing for him. And I know that Fowler didn't play as played really one year pretty well with Dan, but Maybe it's that magical thing for one year, but still, I'm still, I'm still looking. I'm still looking, and, and maybe the defensive ends are not out of the question because this draft is pretty, pretty deep with those defensive ends. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see the Cowboys at that second round pick take a defensive end. I, I really, really wouldn't. I saw some more today. Who's the guy I watched today? Because somebody tweeted a question about him. It was uh, Sam Williams at Ole Miss. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. See, that's what I said. But see, Sam Williams, from what I heard, has got some off-the-field things that he had. To he had with. an aggravated sexual battery accusation. Yeah. That when the charges were dropped is when he yeah. was reinstated to the football team. And that's always cloudy because I hate to that's be That's always cloudy. Who's like, You're right. I don't want to be dismissive of any accusation and like just be like, no, not guilty. Let's football. Woo! Yeah. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, if you were accused of something and all I know about it is that charges were dropped and then you went and played college football, pretty good on tape. I, just, I don't, I just, I don't know. I how like, to- I like, I like Sam Williams. I really do. I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't, I was, we were doing the draft show uh, two, uh, yesterday and they were, then Dave and then brought him up. I'm like, Hey, have you guys seen Sam Williams? And I was like, yeah, I, I like him. And, both Kyle and Dave kind of go, well, man, he's got these things about him. I'm like, oh, okay. And that's and that's sometimes that's the problem that we have as media scouts is we watch what we see, the tape and things like that, put them where we have them. And then, like, the draft goes along, and for two days they never get picked. And yeah. then you feel damn stupid that you didn't know that he had, a, he had a toe that can't get fixed or he's got some charges against him that need to be taken care of. So I mean, yeah. we were talking about there's a there's a player at Georgia, right? Anderson, 
that's got yeah, the, Anderson. He's a really good football player, really good player. But man, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to draft him. You know, I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of things. But you know, when you if you'd never known any of that, you would have evaluated him and put him on the board. It's weird because I'm not a judge or juror, so no. it's like, I, like it's not my job to do. But at the same time, like, is there an element of when Deshaun Watson gets traded? And the team who signed him intentionally makes sure that his base salary is super low so that yeah. even if he's suspended, it won't cost him any money. Like, is yeah. there an element of shadiness and that feels gross? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that Tyreek Hill, when he gets traded, we just talk about Tyreek Hill in football. It's like, well, yeah, also you could talk about it, but it's like, I don't know what to do with it. And for how long do you hold things against somebody if they're not in legal trouble for it? And it's, it's weird. I'd rather cheer for all good people, but that's just not the way it's going to be because somebody's going to pick and trade for and play these guys. Yeah. Vance, can you recall a prospect where their athletic testing was more accurate than the film you saw on them? Not really. Um, See, the thing about it is, I'll give you a guy that's the opposite of that. It happened yesterday at Texas A&M. Yeah, he just went to being undrafted. The Weidermeyer. And yeah. I I don't know, man. I'm did you like his tape? tape? I loved his tape. I really and he did. runs a 50440. Like I know. That's not, I know. I that's know. not an NFL athlete. I know. I know. And you're but you're watching him catch passes against Alabama. You're watching him catch passes against Auburn. You're watching him catch passes against LSU. I mean, LSU wasn't great last year, but I'm just saying, man. This is going to be one of those that's going to test your resolve as a scout because everything he does athletically, it's it's almost the same to me as what I see when I watch Lindenbaum play at Iowa. When I see a guy that's short-armed, undersized, and not very tall get blocks. yeah, And I'm thinking everything – he every deficiency he has, I shouldn't draft this player. You know, every, yeah. I mean, Jordan Davis would smoke him in a foot race. Yeah, you know, and I, and that's the thing about it, though. I I wonder, and I'm I've got to ask around. I've got to ask around because you know, the, there's people that say the guy's not going to get drafted, but I don't know how you sit there and watch this tape. And watch him make play after play after play, catching the ball at Texas A&M. And athletically, yes, it's a mess. I'll I'll give you another guy, Jeff. Remember how bad Orlando Brown was at Oklahoma when we were watching that? that Yeah, he had the worst. He probably had the worst combine of all time. He had the worst combine in the history of combines. You You went to the pro day at Oklahoma. It wasn't much better. It's like, he's like, damn it, I don't care. You know, you can take me or not. I don't care. You know, and then now he plays and you're going, well, that was stupid of me to believe he wasn't a very good athlete. So I think there's a lot of people and there's a lot of tight ends. There's a lot of tight ends in this draft. You know, Weidemeyer was a guy that when we, I mean, Dane, you look at Dane's initial top 50, Weidemeyer was in his initial top 50. So that's, that's watching tape. That's what that is. That's not about a workout right there. Yeah, and sometimes, I guess sometimes the numbers will really surprise you like that, where you're thinking a guy's going to run a, you know, he's a tight end, he's going to run a 4-7. And there's sometimes yeah. that a number will just smack you in the face like Tease yeah. Tabor's 40-time did when he was a corner at Florida. And sure. I was kind of like, no, he can, but he can, but he can play. And he wasn't yeah. fast enough to play NFL football. And fast I would, enough, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, I would probably just this go guys, a lot of tight ends in this draft go ahead and take his name off for me and set it yeah. over there appreciate you now see okay here's a you know uh, uh our friend here asked about cole turner cole turner from from nevada now that's a good football player man but that's what i'm saying this tight end group if you take weidemar okay that's at your own risk you know but you know the tape but man there are there's a list of these tight ends that go down fourth fifth round and you're like, yeah, absolutely, let's take that guy. And Cole Turner from uh, from Nevada was one of those guys I kind of liked. Justin Hewitt, how does this year's Alabama receivers compare to Alabama receivers from previous drafts? I would say not quite as well. Like when you're talking about, you had what, Waddle played with 
Devontae Smith. Yeah. Like that was cheat codes. Yeah. Uh, and Ridley played, gosh, I just, I lose them all. Uh, Judy and Judy's in yeah. there and uh, Jones. Judy and Ruggs, although yeah. Ruggs is not going to play any more football. Uh, yeah. I would say, relatively speaking, not great, but they're really good players. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Heath is the goat asks, will a safety ever play up to the level of Jeff Heath? The answer to that is no, obviously. Never. Never. Why aren't scouts Never. talking about Neil Farrell, LSU, from Drew right. Gooner? See, now let me let me give you a little insight here, and and please, folks, bear with me. It, it I went to school there. I love LSU. It's you know, I mean, I I love everything about it. But I will sell this about Farrell. I don't think people are giving him nearly enough credit, and I've seen him play every game he could play, and. Here's a guy at 6'4". He's 330 pounds. He's got initial quickness. And the thing about him is he doesn't tire down as the game goes on. He actually gets stronger as the game. Now, they rotate their guys at LSU quite a bit. But I think that helped him a little bit, you know, with the the, the freshness of that. But he's not going to be a great pass rusher. He's just going to push the pocket. And he's just going to rely a lot on power and strength. And so we're kind of talking about, you know, the guys at, at, at Georgia, you know, maybe even when you talk about a Jordan Davis, this is my, this is kind of a Jordan Davis, but like a fourth, fifth round kind of guy. So if you're looking for it and there's several of these guys and, and by the way, uh, you know, the, the defensive line coach was up in stores, Connecticut today, working out Travis Jones. Oh, uh, so there are these guys, there are these guys like, the Travis Jones at 6'4", 25, Neil Farrell, 6'4", 330, Jordan Davis, 6'6", 341. There are some really, really good players. And there you go. Davis, Jones, Farrell. That's kind of how this thing is going to shake out. So it's not like you're going to have to go in there and say, oh, we're going to immediately have to grab one of these one techniques or nose. There's one in the first. There's probably one in the second. There's probably going to be a couple there in the in the third or fourth round if you're interested in doing that. Aaron Broom, does this team actually get better by drafting a round one wide receiver instead of a round one defender or offensive lineman? I don't think so. It just depends which one's the no. best player. If you pick yeah. the best player, you're going to end up making a good pick. If you don't pick the best player and you pick what you think you need and what is going to make your team better because in your brain you're going to create a player that's better than he actually is because he plays the position that you need, it's a bad idea. We're going to pick the best player in the first round yeah. unless the best player is totally blocked from playing on your football team. Otherwise, See, you're going to look back at it two years later and go, what the hell did we do? Yeah. Tony uh, Tony J talks about Ridgeway. Same guy, Arkansas. They're all right there, man. I mean, if you're looking for those push to pot. Now, the guy, the guy at Georgia clearly is the best one because, you know, because you do get maybe a little bit more pass rush from him. But all those guys are strong, and they all push the pocket, and they all play the run well. That's that's kind of where these uh, one techniques are. And I, I think whatever whoever guy you draft, you know, you they, Davis, somebody's gonna be happy with Davis. Somebody's gonna be happy with Ridgeway from Arkansas as well. By the way, on your tight ends, uh, I demand that every time tight ends are brought up, that Jelani Woods gets mentioned. There you uh, go. I'm picking him on day three because he tested as literally the most athletic tight end prospect of all time. And watching him play is like watching a giraffe play with uh, horses or something. He's just so big and awkwardly kind of coordinated. I have have a bone. I have a bone to pick with you. I really do. Because all these people send me their mock drafts and they tag you in them. I don't see you comment about their mock drafts. Yeah, that's I. You know, I'm gonna handle that on the back end. Yeah, I handle that on the back end. I, uh, I was, I, I take it under advisement. Yeah, but see, I think the thing with Woods, I think a lot. I mean, every time people give me a mock draft, they got him like in the fifth or sixth round, and I'm like, let's go. No, this guy is he, no, he's not going to be there in the fifth or sixth let's round. Let's go. Don't, don't do that. Let's don't go. What that. are you talking about? I didn't think CD Land would be available. You yeah, know, you can't say that, that, Brian. Don't, you don't do know. that. I'll tell you another one. Everybody's got that that uh, the uh, linebacker from Wisconsin in the second round. I keep taking him in the fourth. <laughs> third, the, 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 the gang, everybody, everybody, all the scouts are telling me it's the third round linebacker there. But everybody's yeah, got I, him too. 
on film, I put him in the third round. Yeah. And then stupid combine. I'm just like, maybe this guy can cover. Yeah. He's a great athlete. And yeah. so I just start projecting things onto him that I haven't seen on tape. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. He is a, he is a, yeah, you're right. That's right. Chanel, right? Yeah. Leo Chanel. Yeah. That's him. Absolutely. Yeah. So everybody's got every mock draft. Second, 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 second. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I kind of had him in that third round, I think, you know. I don't know about that. My guy, Mr. Sunshine, who's watching on Twitch, I don't think there's enough awareness about the middle of the D-line and how the Cowboys lack versus run in the middle. They brought back Carlos Watkins today. They did. Uh, it's weird because they got – like they have the numbers already. If you go Gallimore, Odigizua, yeah. Tristan Hill – Carlos Watkins is back. Quentin Bohana. Yeah. You have five D tackles. One of them is a true nose. Watkins kind of played that for you last year. Mm -hmm. I don't think they feel pressured to take a big guy. But if your point is that I don't think our group of big guys is very good, mm -hmm. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you're wrong about that. Nope. Nope. Um, okay. One other thing I wanted to do with pro days, and I'm just going to toss this one to you is a question that just got asked. Thoughts on Ojabo? Where may he yeah. go? Yeah. Uh, so David Ojabo, Michigan pass rusher, awesome athlete. <sighs> Brian is learning the words ceiling and floor. David Ojabo, high ceiling guy, super athlete. What could he be? Whew, a lot. Blows out an Achilles, so he'll probably be redshirting for whoever drafts him. Yeah. So now instead of being picked in the top 20 or so, David Ojabo goes where? What do you do with that as a scouter front office guy? Yeah, I mean, if you're the Cowboys, they'll tell you they'll put him where they'll give him his due. Didn't they do that with with Jalen Smith? They had Jalen Smith's tag in the second round, even though he probably wasn't going to play. I remember second round guys like Bruce Carter, you know, Sean, I mean, there, there, there's been a history of second round guys that this team has taken and they will they will figure out like, OK, put them where you would take him. And if we get to our pick and, you know, me personally, I kind of feel like a really, really good team. And again, I'm, the Cowboys, you know, say what you want about the Cowboys are a playoff team, won 12 games. But if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you're so cap conscious about things, can you afford to take a second round guy in red shirt? I, I don't know. I mean, cause me, if I'm taking a guard in the first round, I might need a wide receiver. I might need a defensive end. One of those linebackers might be there. You know, I, I don't know if I'm taking a guy to red shirt and hope that things work out in 2023, you know, because if you're thinking he's going to be like that running back from the Rams and come back and play, I, I really don't. I think these injuries are all different. And even then, 2023, look what we've done with with Malik with Hooker. I mean, Hooker, you know, coming off an Achilles, you know, it's that second year. So you're really now looking at potentially 2024, and you're talking about an Achilles with a guy who makes a living with his burst. And, and is that Achilles going to be where it needs to be to give you that burst for the position? Me personally. I'm not drafting him. I'm not. And I had a lot of questions about the kid, even at 24. You know, I he hadn't played a lot of football. You know, I, I, there was just he looked. They hide him against raw. the run. He's raw. You know, and I'm saying, I'm now I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I've got an injury to deal with. This kid needed to get drafted and play because the learning curve for him, I think, is pretty big. And now you're saying, oh, Brian, 2023, he'll be ready to go. Well, that's a year removed from the Achilles, and he plays a position where he has to burst. I'm not taking that chance. I'm just sorry. I, I, I as a scout, I would, and I would, I would say that in the meeting room. I would absolutely say that because look what happened with with you. Look what happened with the leg injury. I know it was different with the knee and all that with 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 Jalen Smith, but but he couldn't burst. He couldn't burst like he needed to, and I think that's an issue. I really, really do. So my initial thought afterwards was 
All right. Well, now you might have a chance to pick in the second round a guy that probably wasn't going to make it to you in the first round. And yeah. my initial thought was, oh, I'll do it. Yeah. But then I had to kind of think about it practically. So, Brian, just for fun, give me a random prediction of who the Cowboys are going to pick at 24. Just pick me a guy. If they're going to, okay, they're going to take, uh, let's say they take Green, the guard from Texas A&M. All right, now we get to the second round. David Ojabo made it to your second round pick, and you're like, sweet, got a first roundish player here available. He's not going to play yeah. the first year. Mm -hmm. uh, but also on the board is, will you take David Ojabo or Georgia wide receiver George Pickens? There you go. Yeah. Will you take David Ojabo or UConn defensive tackle Travis Jones? Or, you know, you can go through a bunch of different positions. And I think when you start putting names on that second pick, yeah, it makes me go, you know what? I would pass. Yeah. I would pass on him. Yeah, I just I just think that he plays a position where his his explosiveness is his calling card. And I'm not going to take – I mean, people are going to say, oh, the Achilles is fine. They fixed it and all that. But we've seen these Achilles injuries for the Cowboys. We've seen Barry Church and guys like that have Achilles injuries and come back. You know, I think – I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Greg Ellis had an Achilles injury. You know, uh, Tyrone Crawford I know had an Achilles injury. You know, when you're talking about burst and defensive line – it just doesn't mix. It's just not the, it's not a good way of doing business. And me personally, you know, if you told me green, a wide receiver, uh, maybe even one of these linebacker. linebacker linebacker, if you're telling me about one of those guys or when he's a corner, I'm taking the guy that I think could go play right now. And I'm not, I'm not waiting till 2024 to see if David Ojabo can be, can help me. I, I need help right now in, in some of these areas. Family for God says, I know this is draft talk, but send a couple picks over the next two years to Seattle for DK Metcalf or keep picks and draft a wide receiver. All our wide receivers run the same speed. <laughs> uh, like Seattle. I don't think Seattle's let's just say they're not dumb. They draft dumb. Uh, they haven't drafted well lately. No, my man, John for, Snyder's done a bad job. He hadn't drafted the guys well. that they might flip because this might be a little rebuild on the fly here. DK's not going to be one of them. Yeah. Like that's, that's the guy that you're keeping. He's yeah. going to be face. I don't think, yeah. I don't think DK like Tyler Lockett, he could get traded, but yeah. I don't think DK Metcalf is going to get moved. Ojabo to Philadelphia at 51. This is from Alex. Lots of, Rumors of Eagles being interested. You can sit him behind Graham to mentor, who also blew out his knee as a rookie in 2010. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. No, they're I looking, hate yeah, they're looking for replacements. I mean, you know, Brandon Graham is a guy that clearly talked about uh, getting, you know, getting uh, uh, different players on that defensive line, and Brandon Graham was a guy that everybody kind of, uh, kind of talked about. So, yeah, if Philadelphia uses pick 51 on David Ojabo, yeah, good for them. You know, my old boss, Ron Wolf at the Packers, we used to say this all the time. He'd go, let somebody else be a hero, you know? Yeah. Let somebody else. If it works out, great. You know, we could all we could all talk about it. And, you know, but history tells you that's a two-year injury. That's a two-year injury. It's not like, hey, we're going to have him ready for next year kind of thing. Yeah, you'll be ready. But the learning curve on that player is huge. You know, I know he went to Michigan and he played in some games, but that there's not a lot of football in his background. Not, not very much. Uh, does the, hold on. I think I missed one. No, I didn't. Does the loss of Randy Gregory change Dallas in the draft? As far as your opinions, I maybe a little bit, but I'm telling you, you have the guys to go play. And if you count Parsons playing, 40 to 50% of his snaps on the edge, you might actually be good there. Mm -hmm. I don't love looking at a starting lineup and seeing Dorrance Armstrong, but he did play pretty well last year. He did a lot better. Than I thought he would. Dorrance Armstrong used to be play really well one game and then be gone for three. And I thought he was far more consistent with, you know, and, and again, I wouldn't, you know, I hated losing Randy. But I'm not freaking out about it because we'll see what happens with Armstrong. 
We'll see if Dan Quinn could do something with Fowler. The numbers came on on that. If Fowler's not any good, you could just move on from him. No harm, no foul. Yeah. But if all of a sudden Dan Quinn once again finds magic, like he had, like he did with these guys they brought in, the curses and people like that, then you know we'll be talking about this next year. Like, man, what a great job Dan Quinn did, you know, of getting Fowler to get six, seven sacks that was the same number of what we just got from Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory might be watching this, by the way. He DM'd yeah. me. He DM'd me yesterday to let me know he's subscribed to the channel. <laughs> well, you know, and like we said, I mean, Randy is and good for him. I mean, seriously, we all love Randy. We really do. And, you know, and I, hey, we're happy for him. But like I said, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things that now Dallas has to find a way to. Right. I'm sure if Randy texted in, he would tell you that, hey, Dorrance Armstrong's a pretty damn good player. Sure. You know, he would probably say, hey, you know, yeah, don't sleep on, don't sleep on Dorrance. You know, I'm sure he would probably say that. Tim Winters, thoughts on Calvin Austin. We hate returners, and he's small, but sneaky way to improve on an area we ignore. We like fair catchers too much. Calvin Austin is a Memphis wide receiver that is five foot seven and 170 pounds. Uh, like, I think there's a two-way battle in this draft between the tiny explosive guys. Mm-hmm. And it's Calvin Austin at Memphis. It's Wandale Robinson at Kentucky. Yeah, and Wandale Robinson actually put up even more numbers, like yep. just bonkers numbers. Mm-hmm. And I, I had him kind of similar, and I let the combine make my decision for me to put Calvin <laughs> Austin ahead of Wandale Robinson because it's almost your uh, who was it, Ron Wolf? Who's the guy who talked about if you're tiny, you better walk on water. Better walk on water, Jeff. Eight years of doing this with you. I'm glad you remembered that one. Athletically, Calvin Austin walks on water, and yeah. Wandale Robinson, at least the way that they measured it at the Combine, does not. So I put the guy who walks on water a little higher, and yeah. I might have, just off the tape, gone the other way. But I Calvin did. Austin I did. Fun, I, did. Man. I, did. He, I did. I went the other way. And, there, and again, both tags are right there. I Fourth, you know, that round, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, where are all these smaller guys going? You know, where – I think that Sky Moore, I think you've been on the Sky Moore train a lot longer than everybody else. I think you're going to be right about Sky Moore, but that's a 5'10 guy. That's a 5'10, 195 pound guy, you know? So I, I that's get not, it. That, that's not that small. That's, like that's not that small. That's kind of short for a receiver. Yeah, yeah. It's not small and small. 5'7, 170 is small, but Calvin Austin can play. Yeah. Robinson is 5'8, 178. Now we're talking short. When you start talking 5'8", that's a little bit shorter. But the thing that I like about Robinson from Kentucky, he catches the ball super easily. And, I mean, like, this guy making plays all over the field. He's inside. He's outside. He could go high for ball. I mean, I was surprised watching how high he could elevate for a ball at being a 5'8 guy. I, I There was some hops. And when you watch him run – he just kind of bounces off guys, you know? So you could use him in motion, throw him the ball. You can hand him the ball, you know, but you could do the same damn thing with Austin too. There, you know, we, there, there's, I want to do a show one time of all the really short players because Marcus Jones from uh, Houston is another 5'8 guy. And these 5'8 players, I'm telling you what, when we get back and start talking, we're watching these games on Sunday and you'll be like, oh my God, I remember Calvin Austin. Oh, I remember Robinson. Oh, I remember Marcus Jones. These short guys all make plays. They're all explosive players. And so, man, I I I, I used to be phobic about shorter guys, shorter players. Not anymore. Not the way these guys are playing nowadays. I have a fun story. I have a scouting story for you, Brian. All right. I wasn't familiar with uh, any Houston prospects when I watched Calvin Austin. Okay. And I'm watching Calvin Austin. And I'm like, man, this guy's a lot of fun. Like he can yeah. do your gadget stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think he, like Wandale Robinson, plays bigger than he is. Like I was surprised to figure out just how tiny he was because mm-hmm. I don't think he has a tiny catch radius. And I was like, man, this is a good player. Yeah. I'm like, but boy, when he lines up outside there on the left, this jobber from Houston is covering <laughs> this guy who can fly really well. <laughs> I'm like, so I just I, I do a little note, which is what you do when you're watching a guy. I go yeah. number eight. Houston, yeah. Yeah. like who's out here covering my guy? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, by the way, that dude can play. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't know yeah, what you're watching, and you're just no. like, oh crap, is my guy it's bad? Funny. 
My guy's yeah. struggling to get open on this jobber. And it's like, oh, not a jobber. Got it. Not a jobber. No, that's the great thing about studying these players is as you blow through them or not blow through them, as you get through them, you start to figure out like you look for matchups. You know, you look for matchups. And, and if you want to watch Houston, uh, Parham from Memphis, the guard, watch him play against Logan Hall, the def- the 6-6 defensive tackle for Houston. And you'll see a guy play with leverage and not get walked back. And, you know, those are the kinds of matchups, you, you know, every once in a while you get a guy going against another one that you're like, oh, well, man, man, well, I feel a little bit better about this guy. Well, I, oh, I feel a little bit worse about this guy, you know, kind of a thing. So, Jeremy I'll, Davis, with, yeah. who just said, what are your thoughts on Marcus Jones from Houston? He's small, yeah. but he could be your returner and play corner. He, we he, are a we are a pro Marcus Jones yeah. show. I might get his jersey wherever he goes. <laughs> He'll go to Baltimore. Like He'll go to uh, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore, exactly. This kid, he. I tell you this though, Jeff. I don't know if you've seen him return. He's rare. He won the SMU game on a kickoff return. But you watch him when they punt him the ball, and he catches it, and he's running, and it's like he's just making people miss. It's just up, 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 and you're like going, okay, he's short, he can cover, and he can help me in the return game. Bill Parcells, again, used to say, when I take you to the game, tell me the number of plays I could, you can help me play. And Marcus Jones, I think, can help you play a lot of plays in a football game, being that guy. Cy Henderson, what linemen in the draft have guard slash tackle flex? We've talked about this before, and I've come around to where I think I hate the idea of position flex. I I do, too. People use it to convince themselves a guy can be on the roster. Like, Mm -hmm. Connor McGovern's a right guard. They don't want him to play left guard. They don't want him to play center. He's a right guard. Terrence Steele is a right tackle. He can't yeah. play left tackle, at least right. not well, but he can mm-hmm. play right tackle. Uh, the amount of guys who could honestly line up and play NFL football at guard and tackle and be functional slash good at both is very, very low. But you go to this draft class, and like every year, there's going to be tackles in college that are going to play guard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's like Kenyon Green could play tackle for you. Yeah, he played he left play tackle. tackle. I think he played left tackle against uh, Alabama at the game. Played I right tackle against Kent State. The dude yeah. played everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like, I think yeah. he could, but is he an NFL tackle? I don't think so. Probably not. I think he's an NFL guard. Yes. Um, could you play Trevor Penning, the Northern Iowa offensive tackle? Could you play him at guard if you wanted he's, to? He's six seven. Yeah. And he's, he's got a nasty demeanor and he's very athletic. So maybe, maybe he could play guard. Want, maybe you wouldn't want to do that. But right, because tackle's more important, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But, like, if you were in this situation, let's say he makes it to 24. Yeah. Would you pick him and be like, look, you're going to play left guard until Tyron's time's up? I think Flozell Adams did it. And Flozell Adams is huge. I think Flozell Adams did it way back in the day. I don't know if you necessarily want to. To be honest with you, if I drafted Trevor Penning, I would put him over Terrence Steele at right tackle is what I would do. That's probably true. I, that's what I would do. I would just say, you know what, you're gonna. I'm just going to play a tackle. I think there's the guys, there's like, you know, Munford from Ohio State is a guy that was a tackle, the guard. Uh, Saller is from Georgia. Is He's that a right? tackle in college that's going to yeah, be a guard. guard. Ryan from UCLA was a tackle, left tackle that played, that gets to play guard. I, I think there's guys like that. Jeff, I, I want to ask you about somebody. Have you, and I see this name a lot because it got thrown on a Mel Kuyper mock draft. Have you seen Tyler Smith from, uh, from uh, Tulsa? Yeah, I watched him? Tyler Smith yesterday. Am I, why, I don't have Tyler Smith in the first round. I'm sorry. I don't even have Tyler Smith in the second round. Oh, Am sounds I like Tyler Sounds like we have him in the same place then. Uh, I got him yeah. in the third round. And I've actually got uh, Balele, the uh, uh, Minnesota guy, Lucas, who I'm glad you saw from Washington State. Yeah, I I've think he's him. better than Tyler Smith. Yeah. And then Petit Faree from Ohio State. That might be the level where this thing starts going a little crazy for me. But I did not see Tyler Smith as a first-round guy. And so I'm. I was thinking, did I miss something here? I think if you are an offensive tackle that is not 
good in pass protection, there's yeah. no chance in hell I would take you in the first round. Like I, I, Tyler I, Smith, I understand because like he yeah. looks like an offensive tackle. Right. He's built the way you want him to be built. And I think he's a good and powerful run blocker. Mm-hmm. But I just think that fundamentally just being able to mirror and pass pro yeah. and land with your hands and keep your feet underneath you, I think there's a lot you got to develop there. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that is not, not, not a first-round no. player. Yeah, But yeah. I cheer for everybody. So I hope everyone gets picked number one overall. That's mm-hmm. what I hope. King Shadow, after Georgia Pro Day, does Lewis Seen become safety 2A or 2B with Dax Hill? Or does Quay Walker maybe become 2A or 2B with Nicobe Dean with Devin Lloyd being linebacker 1? That's a good question because I really do like Seen. Uh, and I think this is a pretty good uh, pretty good safety group. I haven't gone through all of them. Hamilton, Dax Hill in my, in my first round. I think I like Brisker. And Petrie better than Seen. I think but you got them all pretty close, I bet. Yeah, but the, like I say, Hamilton, Dax Hill won. Brisker, Petrie, Seen in the second is how I kind of see that right now. But Seen, I mean, the thing about Seen, there was a, time, a crazy person. Him, you go back and watch him play in the Florida Georgia game, and he lit Kyle Pitts up. I yeah, mean, he's an insane person. He does yeah. not care about his own body. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of interesting about him. But I think I would go Brisker and Petrie from Baylor, Penn State Baylor over him right now. I think so too, because I think I trust let me see the order I have it. I actually have it Brisker seen Petrie, but like you could okay. sell you could sell me on any order. Okay. I think I am more comfortable with uh Petrie and Brisker in coverage. Yeah. Than I am with Seen. Yeah. So like Lewis Seen's strange because he has more range than either of them, I think. Right. Like he can run like the wind. Right. Right. But he's not as consistently good a cover guy as they are. Right. Like he played at Georgia where you have one second to throw the ball against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, that dude comes like he's a quote free safety. Yeah. But he comes downhill like he's a freaking linebacker, even though he's right. skinny. He's just like, yep, I'm here to break people. Right. Uh, so I like all those guys, and I could see them going in any order. I had another one, but I forgot what it was. Oh, oh, uh, Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker. Yeah. I would not be stunned. I would be mildly surprised. I would not be stunned if Quay Walker is the first Georgia linebacker drafted. Mm. Just because... Nobody's liking our 5'11-4 linebacker. I love him. If the Cowboys take N'Kobe Dean at 24, I will celebrate. I'll love it. Yeah. But I'm learning about this NFL thing. And this NFL thing, boy, they love them some 6'3", 240. Yeah. They love it. And N'Kobe Dean not testing probably means that N'Kobe Dean runs a 4'6", 4'7". Yeah. And I thought he was faster than that. But he didn't work out at pro day. He didn't work out at combine. He's five eleven. Yeah, I would not be stunned if an NFL team took Quay Walker before Nicobe Dean. But I also think they shouldn't. Dallas, Dallas could be looking at some players that have some deficiencies there at twenty four. They really could. Maybe with the exception of Chris Olave. I don't know. I mean, he has many deficiencies, but. The guy at 24 could have some deficiencies for the Cowboys. Chris Olave no. needs to eat more red meat and push some weight around. That's Man, did you I mean. did you did you see any highlights of him and Wilson running routes today, Ohio State? Now, by the way, folks, uh Ohio State, the Woody Hayes Center. I'm just gonna give you a little insight. If you saw some times of guys flying there, it's downhill. Like downhill. Like, like when you're a scout, you're like, oh, it's like I'm looking, oh, you're you're kind of elevated at the end. So the Woody Hayes Center's got a little slant to it, but uh, yeah, the Texas A and M workout uphill. No, yeah, yeah every they, player there's forty time was awful. I, it was not good. Awful, yeah, not good. I, I I will say this though about uh, about Ohio State, it's good. It's a great visit, but the thing with Olave and Wilson, those guys running routes, holy jeez, they look good. God, those two guys are smooth running routes. Wow, wow, Luke. What are Karloftis' deficiencies? Athleticism and bend. 
If you run him on a three cone, I bet you he runs like a seven three seven yeah. four. You're not wrong. NFL, NFL teams would love for you to run under seven seconds. So yeah, I think for Karloftis, it's his arm length isn't ideal. His athleticism isn't ideal. Yeah. He's just a hell of a good football player. Mm-hmm. And that's how maybe you get to. Uh, that's how maybe you get to twenty four. Yeah, with a hell of a good defensive end. Mark, they need to give Josh Ball a chance at left tackle. We haven't seen anything from Josh Ball. The dude basically red-shirted. What are you basing this on? I hope, this is my hope, this is my hope, that Josh Ball, like, it was was not even a factor during the season, the redshirt. My hope is that when we see him in OTAs in minicamp, he doesn't look like a 307-pound tackle. I'm hoping that I see a 315 to 318 pound tackle and not not a thin power forward looking body. If if I go out there and I watch OTAs and he looks thin and I'm gonna say they wasted a year on him. They wasted because he's got it, he needed to get stronger. It was very, very clear he wasn't strong enough. Even in the OTAs, mini camps, stuff like that, he has got to get stronger. Well, I hope he's a good person. Um, so there's that. There's some net questions about that too. Are Georgia linebackers overrated because of Georgia's D line? No, I don't think so. I think what happened at Georgia is that was the best, maybe the best college football defense of all time. And now you know why, because there's eight dudes on that defense that can really freaking play. Yeah. Really play. Yeah. And that's how you become the best college football defense to ever take the field. Jeff, have you looked at that Troy Anderson, the kid from Montana? I have. Troy Anderson is the other Brandon Smith. Brandon <laughs> Smith, like Brandon Smith at Penn State. Uh, yeah. I think that he looks like he was built in a lab to play linebacker. And yeah. when he's just running, you're like, oh, yeah. And he runs like he was built in a lab, too. Yeah. And then you watch the whole play and you're like, oh, he has no idea what he's doing ever. Yeah. Um, Troy Anderson is the version of that except it's more understandable. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know Brandon Smith's history, but I know that Troy Anderson's a freaking quarterback, running yeah. back, linebacker. Yeah. So, like, he is learning what to do, but holy hell, he makes plays. Yeah. The one thing I think he could really do is run. And so, again, this might be one of those times where somebody, like a really good team, picks him, like, late. And I'll, I'll applaud the team because, again – he he did not look very good in the if you studied the North Dakota State game that was that was a really bad that was a championship game that was really really bad for him and but the other games like you know Tennessee Martin other games like that he really showed up and the one thing he can do is really really run and so I could see somebody taking him working with him maybe playing him at a couple different spots you know at 6'4", 243 pounds at least you got a frame and a, and a body and a, an ability to kind of work with a little bit. And Mike here mentioned another linebacker. How do you think the Cowboys view Muma coming from Wyoming, which at some point Brian will know exactly how they feel about it and he'll tell us. Uh, yeah. But Chad Muma is a player, dude. I think Chad Muma yeah. is a, probably a second-round pick. I think yeah. Chad Muma is in the mix with guys like, where are my linebacker rankings? Right there with Christian Harris at Bama. Uh-huh. Right there with whoever you have behind Quay Walker. Like, yeah. Muma to me is a top five linebacker in this draft. Yeah, I think so too. And it's, you know, it's 6'3, 239. I mean, I just see a relentless guy. And I mean, when he's out of the, when you think he's out of the play, he gets into the play. And I love his nose for the way, you know, he sees play. I mean, he's not going to – I don't think he's going to wow you with, like, the athletic ability and the numbers and all. But I think there's some sneakiness to his game. And I think that when you talk about tackling, awareness, finish, all those things, I think Chad Muma is a, is a player that he's going to go somewhere and people – he's going to probably play a long time because – He's got all those traits that you want. I mean, he went to school at Wyoming, and you're gonna and people are gonna probably ding him for that. They shouldn't, you know. But he can make plays from the linebacker spot. Newman, my buddy, he says Jeff Warzone when you're off work. Didn't have a real question, but wanted to show some love. Thank you for the love. Yeah, uh, I don't think so tonight. I haven't played a video game in a while, but I will get back to it at some point. 
And somebody else said, Jeff, will you release a big board soon? At JC, nope, that's not my Twitter handle anymore. At Time for Jeffrey on Twitter, I'll tweet out a link to it. I just have a yeah. Google Doc where I keep them, and I'd share the link. I don't care. People can see my work. I enjoy it. Miami 01 was the greatest with Taylor on the bench, Sherman. Yeah, maybe Georgia wasn't the best defense of all time, but they're in the conversation. Well, they, there's some good defenses. There's, there's some they're good in defense. the conversation. Florida State had some good defenses in the 90s. I know I saw a bunch of them, yeah. All right, Brian. Well, congratulations on finishing your six-hour workday, and I'll see you in about – 14 hours for the draft show on cowboys.com look forward to it thanks to everybody out there that uh loves us at plug and play i hope you guys uh keep uh keep studying man keep trying to learn that's the best way to, to make it work we got another super chat hey brian right. would jesse tuggle be a good comp for nicobe dean wow jesse tuggle good short linebacker from the atlanta falcons yeah i mean all i mean i i don't think tuggle runs as well as dean does I think Dean Dean is one of these guys that shot out of a cannon. So, but Jesse Tuggle, man, good, good. Uh, I like what you're doing there, though. I really, really do. And Blake wanted thoughts on Sam Williams. We talked about him earlier, Blake. Yeah. We're gonna need you to hit the rewind and get on back there. But we like him as a what yeah, second, third round guy, yeah. nice little edge player. Uh, okay, that's it. The end. We're done. We're done. Thank you to everybody who is out there watching on Twitch and on uh, YouTube. Thank you to those who are going to be listening to this later on Spotify or Anchor or Google or whatever. Uh, remember, you can use the promo code Jeff C at Underdog Fantasy for a sign-up bonus. And is there anything else? Thank you to those of you who are members on the YouTube page. It's right next to the subscribe button on the main page that are showing support that way. I love it, and I appreciate it. And with that said, remember, you have no 